Hey guys, and welcome to Sounds Like NYC, the only podcast dedicated to spotlighting New York City talent. And today, we are welcomed by Navid. What's good? It's your boy Navid Ahmed from Queens, New York, coming at you. Yeah, so uh, tell us a little about yourself. Oh man, well, I started. It's your boy Navid Ahmed from Queens, New York, coming at you. Um, <laughs> yeah, man, I'm born and raised in Woodside, 7 Train, you know the vibes. And currently, I'm a solo artist making, for now, you know, pop, alternative, hip-hop. We'll see, you know, whatever, right. wherever the wind takes me. I, I have songs that in the tank that range from, you know, rock, EDM. You know, hopefully, as the months come by and I release, you know, more singles, mm-hmm. I, you know, hopefully I'll get to show off the range of my influences and the range of my versatility as an artist. Right now, I have one song out. It's called Somehow I. Find me on all platforms, Navid Ahmed, going by my real name, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's a little bit about me. Cool, man. So like, are, like, is it because like you haven't found your sound yet, or you just want to explore as many options? So more so the latter, in the sense that like I right before debuting as a solo artist, I had spent about six, seven, almost eight years of my life. In, as the frontman of a band called In Loving Memory. And In Loving Memory kind of started off as my solo project when I was like 16, 17, like still in high school. Uh, at, that, at that point in time, I was really into like post-hardcore, metalcore type stuff. And I was, you know, just kind of putting songs out on YouTube, doing vocal covers. And the, my solo project became a full band around 2014 when the guys who ended up joining my band, they all found me through my YouTube channel. So it wasn't through like mutual friends or anything. They straight up found me through YouTube. No way. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah, and it's 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 very lucky I would say because my channel wasn't you know anything too big. I had like probably like two thousand subscribers, which hey, is hey, that's crazy though. I'm, like two thousand, which is you know cool, but it's yeah. nothing like crazy like in the yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, the way I saw projects and bands being formed at the time was like you know one guy would you know build up an audience of and a following, and then you would like get a you would find a guitarist from like one state and then like a drummer from another you know i i I thought it was gonna have to be like a long game but luckily you know the three guys who ended up joining in loving memory they were already in a band together and they were kind of looking for like someone to be their front man Mm -hmm. like a new front man so that was cool and that was a huge chapter of my life you know our earlier releases like i said were more like post-hardcore type like bands like bring me the horizon pierce the veil issues periphery stuff like that so basically like we you know we were oh, like man, don't say that kids. never say that uh periphery is a post hardcore band oh no no fans. i i had to mention <laughs> they're gonna they're I gonna downvote this immediately oh, that no, one periphery, periphery just to yeah. show like we we cared about technicality yeah well, as okay, much as yeah. as much as we were writing you know catchy songs and you know crazy breakdowns at the end of the day you know everyone in my band like they could rip it at their instruments right. okay, and nice. once upon a time periphery was my favorite band oh what time. happened Oh, <laughs> you grew up. <laughs> I grew up. Yeah, we could say that. I'll, I'll, my, 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 you could sum it up as that. I was gonna yeah. say like P four, like that album kind of lost me. Oh, like okay, yeah. P one yeah, yeah, and P two were definitely my favorites. How about you? Yeah, uh, I think I've I, I really got into them because of like uh, Juggernaut. So like okay, the double yeah, albums Juggernaut like that. Yeah, crazy. those were pretty good. And I definitely, I mean, P four is great, but for me, it's definitely like P two and. Uh, no, P3, I didn't really listen to, pre, to P3, mm-hmm. but no, no, actually no, P3, so for me, it's probably P2, P3, and then uh, Alpha and Omega, gotcha, which is gotcha. where, uh, that was like the height of me listening to gotcha. them. Yeah, I kind of yeah. got into no, them, right? I what the fuck you guys are talking about, to be honest, uh, <laughs> I probably listened to one song. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got into them, like, around, when they only had P1, Yeah. so that they were like the first band to like... Straight up, like, blow my mind. I'm like, this is what's possible with, like, gent, progressive metal, like, all that stuff. Yeah. And then I was like, I got to try out a seven-string, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 So that's how I fell down that rabbit hole. Yeah. So, so when, when this was all going on, like, what, what year was it? Uh, 20, I would say we were kind of in the metal post-hardcore realm until, like, 2018 or so. Okay. So by then we had two EPs out, and we were, you know, we were doing our thing locally, playing shows mostly in New York City. We had, I would say, like, a couple of highlight shows that we had. We were able to play Gramercy Theater twice. Nice. And that was crazy because that's a venue that, you know, I grew up yeah. attending. I actually saw uh, Pliny... Tesseract Ooh. and Asteroid. I don't know if you know who okay. they are. I, I, know, I, I definitely no. know Pliny and Tesseract. Yeah, so Asteroid. Okay, so so Asteroid is kind of. Yeah, 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 like, like I'm still like a huge prog guy and cool, stuff like cool, that. Cool. Yeah. But 
I'm gonna be real with you. I was just there for Pliny. So Got you. No, he's I, crazy. So yeah. So I. So I don't know why I left. Because looking back now, I should have stayed for like Tesseract. I don't know what I was thinking, but I left before Tesseract came on. Which, Got you. Looking back now, I don't know why I did. I was just so satisfied with like seeing Pliny. But like looking back now, I should have stayed for, you know. <laughs> oh. for, you missed out uh, on two thirds of your money, basically. <laughs> Essentially, right? Yeah. Shit. Even then, I, I don't know why I would leave. I don't know. I, I was just so bored. satisfied. Yeah, like, no, oh, I was okay. just so satisfied. I mean, seeing, yeah, like, you, Pliny you, live. you you really wanted that. Yeah. One well, was he the headliner? That, that felt worth. It to you. No, he was no he no he wasn't. So Tesseract was like the headliner, but yeah. So what you came late or no? Like I, I came know, straight on time. Oh, so okay. I just saw the two first bands, so Pliny and uh, Asteroid, Asteroid, and then I left. <laughs> looking <laughs> looking back now, I don't know. Yeah, because at that time I wasn't really into like Tesseract. I mean, because I feel like once you've like heard them live, I mean once you've like heard them in like kind of like album wise, you've like mm. heard them. Live and stuff like that. For That's how bands, I used to think. For some bands, but like regardless, like seeing them live, I wish I really seen them live. Just like you know, because they are all amazing musicians. And I and I like watched like a few of their like live shows after the fact. And I'm like, damn, I like. Yeah, there are definitely some artists. I was that, right like, there. Why didn't I stay? There are definitely some artists <laughs> that even when you like, if you just happen Power to move. see them live, yeah. <laughs> fuck the head. <laughs> there are definitely some artists that if you just happen to see them live, like let's say you're passing by them at a festival or they're just on a tour package and you're there to see someone else. Mm-hmm. Sometimes if their live show is like good enough on its own and you can enjoy it when you don't even know their music yet, and you'll yeah. be like, yo, I gotta listen to this later yeah definitely and that's definitely like that's definitely the goal i always had like when we were you know when we were doing our thing and in loving memory and just as a performer in general it's like my goal is you know there's a room full of people you know assume most of them don't even know who i am they haven't heard our stuff how do i win them over right there are so many there are countless bands i've watched where i'm you know i'll be bopping my head while they're playing their thing but i won't be you know, I won't have the Just thought of like, music. yeah, I won't remember mm-hmm. them. I won't have the thought of like, yo, I got to check them out right. later. And so, and then it's like, you know, how do you make sure that at the very least the, the people that, you know, it's free exposure. You're, you're playing in front right. of these people. You got to make sure you win them over and then hopefully yeah. they how, like how you enough. How do you do that? Like, how do you make a good performance? In my opinion, there's definitely like, as the front man of my band, I, one thing I always tried to do was you always have to. You always have to address the crowd directly. You always, you like, you know, if you, one thing I got good at from playing smaller shows is that, you know, you look, you look particular people in the eye. If you notice they're vibing, point at them and smile while you're singing lyrics, you know, little things like that to engage with people one-on-one. And then, you know, if you're, let's say, I don't know, let's say a part in a song comes up and you're like, I, yo, like, I want to see everyone clapping their hands, you know, doing, you know, you command them to move or engage with you in easy ways. Anyone can clap their hands. Anyone can go like this, you know, anyone can jump up and, you know, you, you just, you, if you command a crowd with confidence, I think that's one of the most important things. Okay. yeah, It's it's kind of fun. Like, I, I would think like, you know, why not take like a, Public public speaking that definitely thing, helps you know as I mean? well. That definitely helps as well. Especially one thing I really like to do when when I have the time for it is it, before I you know before you play a song, you know always take a few seconds to give it the context. Mm-hmm. Be like, hey, this song is about you know this that. Especially because you know obviously not every song is as serious as others. Some right. songs are just like, yo, my heart, a girl broke my heart. You know, you don't need to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you don't need to go. Right. You know, but you know there are songs that I've written about you know things like. You know, this is my this is about my experience, you know, as a first generation American, Mm -hmm. like things, things that I never heard artists sing about Mm -hmm. that I know, you know, there are so many kids, so many people in general who need this type of message. So whenever I'm playing a song like that, I always make sure to before even performing the song, you know, give that context because otherwise, you know, and especially, you know, you can't count on the sound system in whatever venue you're playing, you know, for all you know, the sound guy may have slacked that night. Your vocals might not come through. People might miss those lyrics. One of, but if you right, give yeah. them, the, if you give them some context in the beginning, they know you've calibrated them mm-hmm. to know they what to listen the for. In later. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean that's like that's like that's like one of the one of the pitfalls of like performing in America. I think just like unreliable venues in general but Absolutely. we could like talk about that later but like for me you were like talking about how like you know uh, some of your lyrics have dealt with you being a first gen- generation American but what I want to know is the, how does a you know 
Bangladeshi American could get into like metal in the first place, considering that I mean, for me, like I know myself that mm-hmm. I'm I'm from like a Caribbean background, from a you know my mom's like a pastor and everything, so you know metal, you know and stuff like that wasn't like you know exactly liked in the house, but like for you, yeah, how was it like discovering metal <laughs> and stuff like that? Like I'm very dealing glad. with your parents. With, I'm with, very like, all glad that. you brought that up with this context because yeah. like my poor parents, like it's it's hilarious <laughs> when I think about it. It's like when I'm you know when I'm at that age, like around fifteen or fourteen, fifteen. That's when I started getting into metal and doing all that stuff. It's like I put my poor immigrant parents through a lot, like especially because you know fifteen was around the age that I started like learning how to how to scream. So, like, oh my god. Imagine, at least you didn't play drums. Uh, that's true. I mean, there. I mean, that would have in my tiny Queens apartment. That would have been out of the question. My right? mom would have tried to exercise me right, Absolutely. right there if I started like, trying I, to like. There were definitely, you know, growl thankfully like by the time I was a teenager, both my parents were were working, so I was home alone often enough where mm. I could, you know scream like an idiot (laughs) in peace but there were definitely times where like let's say i had to record something at home you know with i mean back in the day i'm rocking like you know low quality usb mics i really (laughs) i really did it all no lie but um i can just imagine what my parents are thinking like what is this kid doing and i remember um my first warp tour that i went to was in 2011 and my parents drove me and a couple of my friends like, you know, because as far as they know, they're just like, all right, where he's going to like some concert concert or whatever they, uh, when they picked me up that that night um, as everyone's leaving. My mom's like, yo, we're never taking you back here. What is this? All these all these gothic people. Like, what is <laughs> this? Yeah. That's, what, that's what she called yeah. it. You know? I'm just like, fair enough. And then so every year after that, I had to, I had to find coming, a ride because wow, yeah. so they were like, nah, we're not taking you back to that. What, what, what the hell is that? Yeah. So it was definitely hella awkward being one of the and at the time probably the only bengali kid that i knew into rock and metal mm-hmm. and it's it's very interesting i'm i'm very glad you bring up specifically as a bangladeshi it was weird because a lot of the south asian kids especially here in new york city i feel like they grow up resonating a lot more with hip hop culture black culture mm-hmm. because you know a lot of us brown kids we don't really have role models in western culture mm-hmm. that directly look like us so we kind of find thank god for hassan then Hassan Minaj, that's my guy for yeah. sure. He's he, you know he's one of many faces. You know back back when yeah, when we were younger, yeah he we wasn't yeah exactly. we had even less. Yeah, yeah. But it's, I find it very interesting to see how you know. In fact, a lot of and you know I'm not to say that like it's funny because I I usually talk about you know how the white man has kept me down, how the white man has made me feel out of place. But no, my fellow brown people contributed too. They they were some of the ones being like, yo, Naveed, why are you making this white boy music? Yeah. Why, you know, they kind of clowned me yeah. in that regard. So it was like, in a lot of ways, I felt too whitewashed to fit in mm. with my fellow brown mm. people. But then obviously, you know, among white people, I'm I'm like probably, the, they, they they probably view me not The most spicy. <laughs> I'm, the I'm, most I'm, spicy person they've met. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, let's, let, Let's go with that. I do uh, like halal food, you know? <laughs> you know what we should get to? Dude, you know, you know what gets me tight? That low-key triggered me in a funny way. Because yeah. people be like, yo, do your parents make halal food? I'm like, bruh. <laughs> We're like so yeah. far east yeah. of where you're thinking of. Like, yeah. it's just, like sometimes they just, they might as well just be like, yo, I'm ignorant. Like, that's yeah. all I hear out their mouths. Yeah. But it's, it's, on a serious note, I, you know, that's something that I'm, keeping in mind as I, you know, move forward as an artist, like, even just the fact that, like, you know, I play guitar, you know, things like that, that's, those are elements that I try to keep at the forefront of, like, my branding and my musicianship, because I, I want the next generation of brown kids to get used to seeing, you know, oh, okay, here's a brown guy that, you know, plays instruments, Mm -hmm. as opposed to just, a lot of the other, you know, Desi artists I see, they're tending, they're mm-hmm. trending towards, like, the hip-hop and rap side yeah. of things. Well, good thing. I mean, but you probably know him, like, uh, Rudy, uh, a Ruby, a uh, Rudy, a uh, YouTuber. Mm-hmm. He's, I forgot where he's from specifically. I know that he's, like, um, he Arab. Yeah, oh, I, I, I think he Arab. is. Because to be honest, mm-hmm. I'm pretty ignorant about that part of the road, too. Oh, good. A lot, so, I mean, like, a lot of people please, are. like, teach me and stuff like that. But I know that he's, like... I think he is kind of like Southeast Asian. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure, but he's like a YouTuber and, and like he's probably kind of like the the uh, only person from that like ethnic background doing the whole guitar, you know, metal guitarist, instrumental guitarist thing. Gotcha. Uh, Rudy, Rudy, uh, Ruby. The name doesn't ring. Doesn't ring. Yeah. Well, he's not like a super. 
well, he, I mean, he's a pretty, like he's, like, you know, K-Mac? K-Mac no, 101? Oh, dude, I gotta Wait, show. That's K- what, put me uh, on, because uh, that yeah, sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, but like, anyway, like, you should definitely check him out, because like, yeah, he's definitely, you know, probably like one of the few that are like really kind of like stepping forward and like giving gotcha. like representation. But it's funny because like, you know, a, a lot of, when usually when I'm talking my shit about representation, a lot of people will respond in a similar way of like, yo, but you, but what about this guy? I'm like, that's one guy though. Yeah. For every one guy of, of, of that, there's like, a thousand white dudes doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So that, and that became definitely the most apparent to me in the summer of 2018 when me and my bandmates in In Loving Memory, we followed all of Van's Warp Tour. Like, yeah, you were telling the us country. that. I was that, telling you yeah, so about like, it. That's crazy. So this was the, going yeah, to the, like just, you know, whatever America and mm-hmm. then just going into like a scene that already doesn't like have representation. Absolutely, that, like I'll, I'll put it, I, I've never felt more like a minority in my life because you know there were let's let's crunch some numbers. My my engineering background about a show real quick. <laughs> okay, so let's see. There were about thir- I remember there were about thirty five warp tour dates that we hit. Um, let's each one is sold out because you know it's the it's the last year that the tour was going right. cross country so for a lot of people it's like whoa this is the last chance we all got to go and let's say each venue like obviously capacities vary but it's somewhere between 10 and 20,000 let's assume an average of 15,000 people per show times okay let's see if i can do this 15,000 people per show times 35 shows that is 525,000 520,000. Yes. Should I do the math? 525,000. I think, I think, I think you know what? If, if I'm wrong, y'all can clown me in the, in the comments. I'm pretty <laughs> confident, confident on that. Yeah. But, you know, that about half a million faces that I was around. Do you know how many South Asians I met that summer? Because obviously, you know, if I see... Oh, if I see, wow, you were right on the money. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry, 525,000. That's what I said. Yeah. Cool, cool. <laughs> That's a throwback to that song. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, you were saying? I literally met five South Asians that summer. I'm surprised you met five. That's awesome. <laughs> he was looking for them, bro. He was looking, I was looking for them. He was looking for them. He had a fucking Absolutely. sign. Like, bro, I was I like, like, yo, yo. <laughs> but it's funny because that's how it felt, but also at the same time, like, I mean, I'm sure you guys know what it's like. When you're when you're the only person of color in a room yeah. or, like, one of the only ones, you just, you, you y'all tend to gravitate towards sure. each other because yeah. it's like, so, we here, aren't we? Like, oh, you're Hello like there, me fellow. because we are also not like them. <laughs> Absolutely. And it, it, as, as hilarious as it is, and it's, I'm sure it's second nature to all of us at this right. point in our lives, like, that's just how we, you know, yeah. we're used to code switching in those types of spaces. Yeah, but, it, it, like... I think it just goes to show what what a serious like how how representation is important at every level in our lives. Mm. Not just like I need to see brown people on TV. It's it's not just that. It's it's on the on the micro level of like sure. I don't feel comfortable in this environment, or I feel like I can't fully be myself in this environment mm-hmm. that I'm in on a regular basis. And because it's because we've because we've known no other alternative, we never stop to think, like, hmm, what could we do about this? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think the only thing we can do is just, like, to put that behind us and just try to do whatever the fuck we want to do for, like, the next generation of Absolutely. kids. Absolutely. So they could see, like, oh, cool, so there's people like me doing this sort of thing. Absolutely. Do that. So and I that's, that's, I mean, that's, as I was saying, that's a huge motivation with what I'm trying to do as an artist. At the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm just, all we can do is be our best selves, mm-hmm. show up fully and authentically, and by doing a good job of being ourselves and showing that confidence in our identities, that comfort in our own skin, I feel like that is the best shot as as far as you know being able to inspire the next generation to to do the same. Oh yeah, definitely. I think that's I mean, a good yeah, segue. Yeah, 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 yeah. Song. Uh, yeah, because like for you, um, so you've kind of not like so you kind of transitioned from like the metalcore world, the warped world, and stuff like that. So in terms of the personal music you're doing now, in terms of the music that you're putting on your own name now, like it's just like a mix of like all those genres you were telling us before, or is that music that you just like engineer before yourself? Is there like a specific type of music you're like really grabbing onto? Got you. Yeah. So I like that question. Uh, I make good questions. Thank you. Yeah. You definitely do. You both do. <laughs> you definitely. Make me question myself a lot. <laughs> you're welcome. So yeah, like. I, for at least for the foreseeable future, I'm I don't intend to bring back those rock and metal influences, at least in an obvious way, just because I I would I 
it would be dishonest if I were to say that being so immersed in that culture, that, that music scene that made me feel so out of place for so many years and noticing how over in that time frame I wasn't fully myself because I felt like I had to act a certain way, dress a certain way, right. conduct myself a certain way to fit in. I, I harbor a lot of resentment towards that scene now. So, and I, I bring this up fully to say, like, one of my biggest criticisms of that scene in that community is, you know, for a, for a genre and a community that tries to pride itself so much on, you know, being an open, you know, being a safe space, being, you know, all-encompassing, mm-hmm. you know, accepting of everybody, where's the diversity to show for it, right? right. And it, it wasn't until I started, you know, going to shows for, like, you know, for lack of a term, bigger artists, you know, in pop, hip-hop, etc. I go to these shows, I'm like, hold up, I'm seeing people of all walks of life here. Like, and that started inspiring me more when it's like, duh, at the end of the day, these artists, like, to kind of segue into a topic of, like, you know, what is pop music really? At the end of the day, it just means popular because at the end of the day, these are the artists who are connecting with a worldwide audience and obviously and that's where i took that influence because that's the type of artist i'm trying to be i don't want to just appeal to a certain niche demographic i don't even want to just be appealing to my own niche of you know south asians and i want to be an artist that can appeal to anybody i want to be able to package my story that a lot of people are not used to because because of that lack of representation and I want to be able to package that for a Western audience. And then, you know, as I, you know, reach that level for a global audience. Right. Okay, awesome. So is there, like, uh, any of your songs specifically that you want us to, you know, kind of, like, show our audience? Sure. I mean, I, I was obviously, you know, somehow I, my, my current song that I have as Navid Ahmed, you know, there, there are lyrics in there that kind of touch on, you know, the context of, you know, my, when my band in Loving Memory ended, you know, the, and this happened a few months ago. It's funny if so much life has happened, but in reality, this was in like February. Um, <laughs> if, you know, funny story, our band, we broke up on Valentine's Day. That, wow. that was that was so my poetic, right? that was my Valentine's Day this year. My eight year like relationship with my yeah. band like an does. broke up. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Had to. I mean, it just ended up happening. Are you guys on still in good day. terms? Oh yeah. Okay, that's in fact, good. Then. You know, let me give shout outs where it's due. Shout out, you know, Thomas Dignardi. He was my drummer in the band. Mm-hmm. He produced all our music, and he is still my producer now. Oh, wow. sick, nice. So yeah. he produced somehow. I he produced a lot of the music that I'm going to be releasing in the near future. So that's the single that you want to uh, show everybody? Yes, sir. Let's somehow, about I, somehow I. On somehow I? Okay. Yeah. Then let's it's the get... only song I have out at the moment. Yeah. So, you, so you're a drummer, because you guys were like a three-piece, right? So you got... So we oh, were originally a four-piece, yeah. then a three-piece, and then for the last like two years of the band, it was actually just me and him. That's crazy. Wow. Wow. So yeah, we were, we were kind of like on some like... Kind of like Royal Blood, but... Uh... On some like 21 <laughs> Pilots kind of yeah, flow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah. that's crazy. All right. Because I mean, yeah. the... The way we operated was like I was writing a lot of the songs, and Tom, he's I called him our drummer because he in our at our shows he played drums, but homeboy plays every instrument at an incredibly high level. He he's been producing for years, so he's a a hell talented dude. Yeah, absolutely. Like someone else calls that like boom. I'll put it this way: like, like he he himself is the equivalent of, like, four or five talented musicians. Wow, that's crazy. So he... We should, we, should, we should have him on. <laughs> I'll, I'll let him know. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure he'll see this episode, then I'll hit him up. Definitely. He lives in Long Island, but he, I'm sure he'll pop out. Okay, yeah, yeah sure. for sure. Awesome. Well, let's get into listening to Somehow I. All right. Yeah. It's the immigrant train. 25 years old, was supposed to have a six-figure job by now, but I'm still so convinced I could be somebody. Change the whole damn world with the hobby. I tried once, but it won't be the death of me. I look back, find love in the memories. Somehow I heard in every single So, hey guys, welcome back to this episode of Sounds Like NYC. And we just finished listening to, s- I forgot the name Somehow of the song. I. Somehow I. We need, I. Yeah. we need to we go through every single fucking episode. Every time we come back, you do this. <laughs> you David, not now we have guests, come on. 
I want to have a collection, like a collage. Yeah, sure. A, a compilation if you want to make of it, all yeah, the... Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you if you want to do it, be my guest. <laughs> do, we have all the, do we have all the fucking... Yeah, I mean, yeah, YouTube. But anyway, He's we like, were just listening to your latest single. Um, do you want to give us a bit? Because to be honest, I haven't heard of it. What's the name? Or like, I, ha- I, I haven't heard it yet. What's the name? Somehow I. Leave me alone. Okay. All right. So I haven't <laughs> listened to it. Listen to it yet? I'm not sure if David has. I'm going to put you on the spot. I did. Oh, okay. We talked about it in the email. <laughs> oh, oh. So suck. Okay. Anyway, so uh, what's the background of the song, the artistic direction you're going for? Sure. And all that uh, sure. jazz. I guess we'll talk about, we'll start with the lyrical context. Mm-hmm. So you, the the song is ultimately an anthem about perseverance. You know, the, the chorus, I say, you know, somehow I learned to finally be free. Somehow I gave it all to find my peace. Um, when my, when my band in loving memory had ended after eight years, you know, that was obviously a shock, you know, imagine, you know, imagine an eight year relationship of yours ending like a whole chapter of your life that you, you know, you poured your heart and soul into puppy just gone, lost. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Like this is, this is my baby, (laughs) my puppy, whatever you want to call it. And it really put me in a position where I had to, you know, answer the question like, you know, Naveed, what are you going to do about music? Are you going to, you know, are you going to. It, it, at times it was very demoralizing to feel like, damn, like I put all these years of my life into music and now it feels like I'm you know, starting at zero, mm-hmm. that I have nothing to show for it. And especially, you know, as you get older, the 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 pressures, you know, as you get older, it becomes harder to pursue some, you know, pursue anything entrepreneurial or creative to the to the facet that you want because the pressures of real life set in. Right. Your family more, more expects responsibilities, you, yeah. More responsibilities. Family expects you to, you know, stick to a traditional safe path because especially, you know, coming from a South Asian household, that is quite literally what I was put on this earth to do. I mean, listen, look, any sort of immigrant thing. Exactly. Absolutely. Almost any immigrant kid is like, we were put here with that context of like, yo, our parents went through wild. We were wild. put here so that our parents could get green cards. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and we were put here like ultimately, you know, to make all their sacrifices to make it For sure. here in America. Yeah. We're supposed to make that worth it. Yeah. And I'm sure you guys feel like from a very young age, probably as, as early as you can remember, that just comes with so much pressure. Mm-hmm. I mean, David knows I am a terrible, terrible chance to bet on. Right, buddy? Yeah. Yeah. So for sure, like, at this point, you know, I, especially when COVID hit, you know, I was working full time as a a civil engineer. Mm. And then since COVID, I, you know, I I was already in between jobs. But then when the pandemic hit, I'm like, you know what? Obviously, I'm not going to be able to work anytime soon because when the pandemic was, like, Mm -hmm. fresh, ain't nobody was going outside. So I was like, you know what? Let me take this time to, you know, reflect, work on music, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And... With what's when by the time the band had ended, I was in a position where I'm like, you know, I could maybe maybe this part of me was like, no, maybe I'm supposed to throw in the towel at music, you know, be the engineer I was supposed mm-hmm. to be, live happily ever after, right. aka stable. But you know, obviously the fire in me told me, nah, like this is the time where I'm supposed to reinvent myself, find out who I truly want to be as an artist, and you know, come back stronger than ever, and. Somehow I is the product of that, you know, like somehow in the in the face of that, what what felt like defeat somehow when I was in the position where, you know, this is where most people would turn back. This is where most people would give up somehow, you know, I pushed through all of it and here I stand before you today while I'm sitting before you today. Awesome. But here I sit before, you know, I feel more confident when it comes to music than ever. I feel more rejuvenated. I feel like, you know, making this change and becoming a solo artist, like now I'm confident and ready to be the artist that I feel like I was always meant to be. I mean, nice. so how important was it to like have this song be the first song you release as an independent artist? So that... Well, as a single song. Absolutely. So to answer that question, I'll put it this way. I, by the time In Loving Memory had broken up, and even right now, I have dozens of songs, almost a lot of them are are close to finished, if not finished, because they were going to be songs that were going to be used for In Loving Memory. And when I, when, when this huge change in my life had happened, I, I, I knew that I had to write something fresh. I, I had to write something that 
properly addresses how I'm feeling at this stage in my life as I'm going through this huge life transition, something that answers the question to all of my current you know, followers who are following me through this transition, I have to answer the question of like, what now, Naveed? Like this, I, I had to write a song that simultaneously addresses, you know, my current fan base and tells them like, hey, this is what I've been going through since In Loving Memory ended. This is where I'm at now. And then I also have to give context to hopefully, you know, all the new listeners that are going to come in like, hey, what's up? You're just finding me now, but there's a whole lot of history behind me. So this, let me bring you up to speed. Okay, nice. And that's, and that's why, you know, that's how somehow I came about. Hence, yeah. you know, the chorus is very, you know, anthem- anthemic and simple lyrically. But then the, then the verses you're going to hear as, as you will listen for the first time. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Yeah, the, the, verse, the verses are more dense. You have loop. more rapping, more, you know, more lyrically driven stuff to give that context, yeah. as I said. So what does your kind of like uh, standard kind of like... Uh, artistic process slash songwriting slash recording uh, process look like? Yeah, so I would say for the most part, like, it usually... As 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 the years have gone by, I've I've definitely centered more on, like, the vocals, like, building around the vocals. Uh, oftentimes, you know, classic case of, like, my phone is full of voice memos of me just humming random melodies and... And you know how it goes. Usually it's at nighttime when you're falling asleep yeah. and you can't really like, you know, you you can't necessarily just get up and, you know, grab your guitar, plug in. Maybe maybe you're too tired. So I'll just be like, like, literally, I'm about to reenact a typical voice memo. I'll be like, all right, this kind of tempo. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. And then I'll hum the bass line. D, A, B. Like if I know yeah. if I hear the chord progression in my head, I'll be like, okay, these are the root notes, so I, you know, don't forget it later. And then I'll do the melody on top, and then I kind of piece it together the next day. Nice, wow. So, so when you start piecing together stuff, what does that look like for you? Usually, generally? usually like, starts with which you know, uh, doll do you use? I, I well, I don't produce my stuff, but like I, oh okay, not, well, not the final oh version, yeah, okay, not I see, the final yeah. versions. But like for making demos and stuff, I use Reaper. Okay, yeah. You know, you, you hella know. underrated. Yeah, it, it gets shit. Free it gets shit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, but have you actually paid for yours? Yes. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. You heard that, FBI? Absolutely. Yes. I have yeah. paid for my. I paid. I paid, shit. Shit. <laughs> I paid for for all of my DAWs and plugins. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I am an up. I am an upstanding citizen. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know there was any other way to do it. Yeah, so you only had to pay. Yeah, yeah. of course. Because we live in a civilized society. Wait, obviously, if I didn't pay for it, that would be illegal, dude. Exactly, yeah, completely illegal. No, no, I... not even not even illegal. It would be morally reprehensible, and yes. we are outstanding, outstanding immigrant. Children, we are right. good. We of are course, good yes. first generation Facing, Americans. Yes, we absolutely. Are. You hear that, Biden? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So this is, okay, uh, I, I think Biden would get a heart attack if you listen to like what the fuck we were talking about. Yeah, <laughs> to would. too many words at one time. <laughs> but yeah, okay. So you use Reaper, um, but like, so you don't really deal with like any any like you know sort of like uh, templates or anything. Like you just like, record them to just send them so to I'm, your. I'm definitely like, so when I record with Tom, like, I mean, the way we always did it in In Loving Memory is probably going to be the same way we continue to do it because we're, we've just had such a good workflow. Take my mess and make something with it. I usually, I usually, I'd like to think that for someone who isn't a producer, I'm pretty involved in the production process. Like I'll usually, I'll usually make like a scratch version of a beat. You know, with, uh, like I'll compose a lot of the instrumentals, but as far as like, you know, do I know exactly what kick sa- sample I want, mm-hmm. what snare, what hi-hats? Not always, but I'll, I'll always come to the table with references. I'll be like, yo, I want a kick that hits as hard as like, you know, this song, or I want the 808 to bump like this song. Mm-hmm. Usually it's Pop Smoke because his songs, oh, yeah. the 808s oh. are crazy, you know, yeah. all that, all that stuff. Yeah. And I'll use, and like the way, like when Tom or anyone I work with, it when, once they have a mix for me, then it becomes a very like, here's a Google Doc with all the edits, send it back to you, boom, boom, boom. So I'm very involved in, in production in that sense. I, I'll, I'll put it this way. I can't, I, I don't have the technical prowess to like mix a track, mm-hmm. but I definitely have the, the, 
the sense of like, okay, I know what vibe I want. I know what instrumentation more or less I want. I know like I, I, I'll be like, I want this kind of swell effect to make this transition into the chorus pop more. Do I know how to physically do that? No, but I know how to communicate that. To okay, so I think that's probably the best thing that yeah. you got going for you. Like you know what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like you make it easier for the person on the yeah, other side. Yeah, which uh, leads me to ask, like, do you because I'm also kind of in like a similar situation where like I mean I'm so I know how to mix. Am I the greatest? No, I'm not. Yes. And <laughs> I'm yes, actually I am for the purposes that we have planned for the future. But just between you and me, I'm not. <laughs> no, but, 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 like, but like, you know, at this point, like, I definitely understand my own limitations, especially because I don't have, like, any, like, monitors. I just, I'm just mixing, like, on, mm. like, on, like, earphones, so I will never realistically get my mixes to sound to translate as well as somebody who has, like, a set of monitors and stuff like that. But that will be changing soon. Um, but yeah, for the time being, it comes, comes have, with a lot of, you know, investing yeah, in gear. Yeah, exactly, right? But, you know, I'll be buying some, like, good monitors soon. But anyway, so, because for me, like, at this point, um, I'm going to be sending some of my stuff off to, like, um, a few mix engineer friends that I have. Like, what, um, what like... Uh, pieces of advice do you have for like you know artists who are who are working with a producer as in you know how how uh, how they should send tracks i mean obviously like you should send the whole track and not just like the actual you know right. s- no you know stem within yeah. like how, the whole time how timeline. can we get the artist to make yeah. it easier for the person exactly exactly got you okay yeah. i see the question yeah how ca- how can you be the best client exactly yeah exactly um first of all out before you ex- before you bring a, a song of yours to a producer and expect them to make your product sound you know great I would first, and this is more on the songwriting side of things rather than the production side of things. You know, if your song, it, if you can strip it down to just, you know, piano, chords, and melody, and you just sing over it, and it still hits, then you know you have a good song. Because at the end of the day, like, crazy production is, in my opinion, not going to save a song that compositionally doesn't already have substance so i guess step one is you know make sure that you can play your song live to yourself even stripped down and it feels good to you like Mm -hmm. that you know because at the end of the day a produce it's what's the what's the phrase like you you can't you can only you can only polish a turd so much or something like that and then as far as as far as you know, what you can do to once you have a song that you're confident in, what can you do to make it easier for the producer? Practice the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. In fact, I, w- when I go in to record vocals, I record everything with Tom. So I don't usually, um, I can demo things on my own at home and send it to him for reference. But like, obviously, though, know, he has a better microphone and a better treated room than versus what I have. Mm-hmm. So when I go to when I go to record vocals or whatever it is, I. And perhaps this is just the type of singer I am. I know a lot of singers prefer to, like, go into the studio and, you know, experiment with a lot of different performances for different lines, you know, try different things. And I do some of that if Tom, you know, sometimes he'll be like, yo, try a harmony here or try performing it this way. But for the, but for the most part, if he doesn't bring up anything, I walk into a session knowing in my head exactly how I want every single line to sound. I know mm-hmm. down to the point of, like, you know, he'll be like, wait, that take sounded good. I'm like, nah, that S needed to be held out just a tiny bit longer. Like, trust me. Like, I, I, I t- it becomes a process usually where I'm just like, yo, just hit record for me and I will tell you what to do from there. Mm-hmm. So, oh, nice. so to sum it up, if you're an artist and you want to be, you know, a better client and just be more efficient in the studio, definitely practice your song inside out before you you know, before you go into your session, especially on the recording side, like practice actually, I think it's worth it for any songwriter, even if you're not a full-fledged producer, to at least invest enough in like, you know, know your way around a DAW, have like a, at least a decent microphone that you could lay down demos with. Like it just, it just get, put yourself in a position where you can at least make ideas where you don't have, where, sorry, mm-hmm. put yourself in a position where you can actually show producers something instead of just having to tell them all these abstract Uh terms like i want something that sounds sad and you know whatever (laughs) versus you know if you say hey i like i think this sound in this song timestamp here it helps the song have a certain vibe Uh what can you do to 
I want that kind of vibe here. Mm-hmm. Things like that. It's also like you don't know what you don't know. Exactly. So it's it's better to like as an artist to like at least have a decent grasp of like what's going on. Like so like oh I might not know how to do this, but I know that I want this to sound like this and now I can communicate better with exactly. somebody who knows how to get to that point. Exactly. Oh yeah, okay, awesome. Yeah. I definitely yeah, it's just like so uh sometimes it's just like I wonder who has a harder time. Who? The artist or the uh producer? Hmm. What do you think? I mean, because I mean, because like I mean, because you and Tom, like, you guys are basically synergy. Yeah, we've had our we've had our we've had our synergy locked and loaded for years, which yeah. is why you know mm-hmm. for us it's never been an issue. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it could it could really depend. I feel, I feel on like it's the, like it really be a case by case thing. I feel like it's probably for the artist because that's like their you know baby on the line, like the producer, depending on well, how then, exactly. So that's why the producer has such a fucking hard time because like it's your baby. Yeah. It's just like, the, oh, I want this, I want that, I yeah. want that. It's funny because I've heard, I mean, I am the artist, so I am on that side, yeah. but I've also worked with enough producers who who have had to deal with artists who, quite frankly, don't know what they're talking about. Right. Like, I've, like, a random situation, I won't name the producer in question because, you know, but, like, <laughs> a common example will be, like, a producer is, you know, tracking guitar for an artist and you know they're they're let's say they didn't practice enough they're not they're not nailing their part right or they they want a certain guitar tone that they insist on using their own gear for because like you know the artist become a meme sounds, at this point yeah. it's like yeah. like you know like glenn like glenn uh fr- fricker right glenn fricker who's that expect the sound studios yeah so like yeah 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 Basically yeah. stuff like that where the artist has their own ego. They're like, no, we got to use my, my gear. Right yeah. I, I bought this, therefore I have to use yeah, it on right. my recording. And the producer... That's why you always record the DI, especially when it comes to guitarists. Definitely. Like, <laughs> and the producer already knows in their head, like, this no. is going to sound like ass. I'm going to use my plugins or whatever later when they're gone. Because yeah. if I do it in front of them, they're going to keep arguing about yeah. it. Yeah. It's like things like that. So I guess to f- for an artist, like, let go of... let. Learn to swallow your pride on things like that that don't matter. To be honest, think, yeah. know your lane. Exactly. Know your fucking lane. Yeah. Because for me, like, like, like for, I promise yeah. you, nobody is going to care that you use your new reverb pedal yeah, on no, this recording. Not. Because, for especially me, if it's not going to sound the best. Yeah. Because for me, at this point, like I do, like for the songs that I have for my debut album that I have planned, like I've just said, I, like I still like these songs, but I've just been. It's been over a year, probably two years, of just, like, working on these songs and stuff like that. And I'm just tired of, like, working on them. So Mm -hmm. I just want them out. And, like, the guitar tones that I have printed aren't bad. Like, I use, like, you know, I, you know... Very, very like good sounding plugins, IRs, the whole works and stuff like that. So for me, like I really don't want to have to like re-record mm-hmm. anything right now because I just want. I'm like I'm like half tired of like of the, I mean, of, like, the project at this point. So who knows if 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 I'll change because I because I because I do want the best results obviously, right. but I am satisfied with like the tones that I've recorded and stuff like that. So when I send it to whoever I'm going to send it to, I think most likely I'm just going to send kind of like the printed stuff and just say, "Hey, um if you really want me to, I could send the raws, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty satisfied with these sounds and stuff like that." That's like, fair. And I think, like for me, I'm not I'm not going to be annoying about it, you know? I get you. Yeah. And I think in that sense to go back to your earlier question of like who has the harder time, the artist or producer, the producer definitely has the harder time in the sense that they're the ones who have to zone in put the headphones on and listen to the same song over and over just to be like oh does 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 the bass need to be cut a little more at 250 hertz or you know whatever the number is like that like that fatigue from listening to a song over and over especially as you're trying to judge a mix Mm -hmm. is very real like i've had to see tom over the years you know get (laughs) lose more hair (laughs) yeah get frustrated over mixes and then you know you have to take time to step away from it to in order to come back to it and with fresh ears or sometimes you know they're like if he worked on a mix let's say he worked himself too much like you know you spend too too much time on it where your ears become fatigued and then he'll send me a mix and i'll be like dude i really don't think that this 
part should have sounded like this, and then and I don't and I feel bad saying that. To yeah, him, yeah, I know no, how yeah. much time right. you just put yeah. into it. But then I'm like, I trust that over time, you know, give it a few days, you'll come back and realize, okay, he was right. Yeah. Like, like but. shout out to uh, Joey Papa. Actually, so Joey Papa is like another um, artist, producer, engineer that we that we've had on, and he actually did Warp Tour like a long time ago Ooh, with cool. his band as well. And I just sent him my uh, my latest single um, to be like mixed and stuff like that. And I gave him like a ridiculous, just like kind of like schedule to do it in, just because I really wanted like to get notice. it out. Yeah, like on short notice. But he did a great job. Like we did like three, like three revisions. And the more revisions we did, the more I realized from the beginning I could have just said all this stuff if I was just aware enough. So, so I felt so bad because it was like right. the last revision. I'm like, yeah, I could, yeah, dude, I'm so sorry. Like I could have just like sent this in like the last, mm. in like the last like, email. Now, but, like, now yeah, now I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why whenever I get a mix back like I as the artist I go through my like okay I gotta listen to this over and yeah, over to yeah, really yeah, yeah. make sure everything yeah. before I send you know a round of edits and suggestions and critiques let me make sure I have actually said everything that I want to say because for me like because I don't want to be because again I do understand how hard mixing is and stuff like that because I do it myself and stuff like that but like 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 when it comes to like su- uh, like suggestions and like edits and stuff like that like kind of like sending that type of stuff like what is like what do you think is like the proper etiquette just like setting like a list of like 10 things you want to change do you think that's like a bit too the, much or the, should you I think the way at least the way me and Tom have always operated has always worked for us where it's like he sends the mix I write a Google Doc I'm like okay so this mix 1.1 you know whatever number it is and I'll be like at 27 this guitar Bring that less, bring that in the left ear instead of the right ear because, like, I know I want to hear it in this ear mm-hmm. or you know whatever things like that. Like you know, just kind of bullet point. Oh, okay, yeah. And then when 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 I send it back to him and he sends back the next mix, he'll he'll kind of cross out you know mm-hmm. thing like like he'll leave it to me to be like, have all your previous edits been addressed properly? Right. And if so, then I cross them out. Yeah. So okay. So yeah. Until we arrive. Yeah, basically, like a, literally a checklist. Okay, then. Okay, then. then at least then I know that's what how to do. you know. I I prefer to be very you know list oriented yeah. in that way, and it, I think it just makes it smoother. Yeah. For for yeah. all parties. Because for me, and a problem, I actually have to end up paying one of my friends like fifty extra dollars, like like for this like art piece for like, um, for like another thing that I'll be doing because. I, like a lot of times, I like assume that like the engineer knows what I want based on like based on like the uh, reference I sent them. But I'm realizing now, especially you gotta make it easier for them. Yeah, like I just I gotta explain it. Like I'm like like, a, like I'm explaining it to like a nine year old really. Absolutely. So you gotta be so meticulous. You, you with explaining. can't assume. Yeah, you can't yeah. assume people are gonna read whatever information yeah. with the same context. Yeah, yeah you gotta be yeah. as specific as possible because everyone has like their own yeah. like. You know, yeah, everyone no, works differently. Filter. I agree. Yeah, and I realized that now, and it cost me fifty bucks, or like fifty, or like five thousand yen. About yeah, it cost you double that. Yeah, uh, yeah, me. yeah. No, and, and and I told her, yeah, I'm so I sorry. Like I realized I should have told you this more specifically. Yeah, but, and now it cost I think me there's no bucks, such but... thing as over explaining, especially when it comes yeah. to things like this. There's never, there's you know, uh, it, it, like basically to to any artist, it's like. Put in that time to listen to your track, th- listen to a mix thoroughly, and put in that time to really articulate everything. Don't just assume <laughs> that a producer is going to know what you're saying yeah. or, like, you know, like, 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 like you said, pretend you're explaining it to someone with no context. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Awesome. I mean, is there like anything that you want to end off the podcast with? Any like shout outs or like plans it's for future events? Just like, oh, you, yeah. Just, just, yeah, David, shut up. Just do whatever I hate you, want. you Say what you want. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean just, just like with where I'm at right now as an artist, I mean, somehow I still, you know, hopefully circulating the internet. Please stream it. I appreciate everyone who checks it out. Follow me on Spotify. Follow me on my socials. I'm Naveed Ahmed NY on everything. I'm currently like diligently, you know, timelining, you know, my singles that are going to be coming out. I like right now I'm editing what's going to be my first music video for my second single. I'll show you guys off camera. Um, Let's see what's going on. Uh, in about a month, I'm gonna be with my boys. Shout out Silver Fade Media. Those are my. Those are gonna be my video guys who are doing the video that I'm working on. And then we're I'm, we're gonna be hanging out in Miami for Rolling Loud Festival. We're going next that- month. Rolling Loud, like dude, like who am I gonna say? Meg The Stallion is playing. Oh nice. Post Malone, Jack Harlow, The Baby, Roddy Rich, like. 
crazy. Nice, okay, yeah. Like crazy, like probably the biggest like rap hip hop festival. Oh, okay, and it's nice. just coming so, back so let now. Us, yeah, just you know, let us know if anybody over there wants to come on the podcast. Too. Heard, heard. <laughs> I mean, well, that's gonna be in Miami. There's there the New York lineup just got announced. That's in like October. Oh, so we gotta camp out, bro. Do it. You got like a man, like man on the street type out. shit. Yeah, oh, yeah. Hand, okay. hand out the postcard, yeah. you know, business cards. Oh, that's what you up. mean. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, no, you gotta, <laughs> we got to hit the streets. We got to promote. That's, yes, sir. I'm all about that. Yeah, all about yeah. that hustle. <laughs> but you know, while we're down in Miami, we're we're getting to, we're getting to Miami and staying there like a couple days before the festival, so we can do another music video down there, which I'm very excited for because I've never even been to Miami, let alone filming a music video, you know, outside of New York. So I'm very excited to to. You know, it feels good to be like, okay, wow, this is your second month. <laughs> the lights. lights out. Oh my lights god, these out. lights. Yeah, because like, you gotta walk over. yeah. Word. Little little break in the. Oh, the yeah, motion. Like, they're motion yeah. sensor lights. It's out. super annoying because in the upper room, yeah. it's just it's just like a switch. Yeah. Yeah. Word. Whatever. But yeah, continue. <laughs> no, it feels good that like. To think like, okay, cool. You, like you were in a band for eight years, you did a lot of cool stuff. But it's like, okay, month month number two of being a solo artist, you're already going to Miami to film a music video. Like right. it feels good that I'm doing things like that. And let alone, you know, with with people on my team who you know who have been friends of mine for years. And more importantly, I've been very conscious of like, you know, I want my money to go to creatives of color, creatives who, you know, are are usually first generation like myself because at the end of the day, you know, how am I supposed to how am I supposed to be the representation I always wanted if right. I'm not also putting on for, you know, the creators who are just like sure. me. Right. Yeah, Those definitely. So I'm yeah. definitely definitely excited for all the moves that I have have coming in the near future. Yeah, David, and, yeah. form me my own my own Avengers, my own team. Let's come on, chop chop. <laughs> I am your team. That's all. That's what no, we need. No, I don't yeah. want you on We're my a team. Man of like many talents. No, you're not. Like, <laughs> at least three. You guys, you guys are definitely a team. Just the way, yeah. like you, you, you know, you're not like fully comfortable with with people if you're not like constantly ragging on them. Yeah. So I mean, that's all we do. Half oh, our relationship oh, is just like oh, abuse. Oh, <laughs> dude, like, oh. Gosh, it's been like what a fucking like nine years. Yeah. Something like that. Too fucking. Yeah. Long. Yeah. Too long. Yeah. <laughs> so we cut off at ten. Huh. Like we cut off our friendship at ten. Nine and a half, bro. Nine and a half. <laughs> so October? September. September. Next month. No, okay, cool. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, <laughs> Y'all no, are no, goofy. Dude, thank you. Y'all I'm so goofy. sorry about this. I'm so, yeah, we appreciate yeah, it. No, I love it. I love yeah. it. But no, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you I mean, guys for having great, me. It's, it's great lit. having you on for sure. Yeah. Appreciate you guys. Yeah. All right. So, guys, this has been another episode of Sounds Like NYC. Um, please like and subscribe to this video. Ring that bell. Uh, what else do, do the YouTubers say? Thanks. Subscribe. <laughs> hit the bell. But, yeah. You can find us on at Sounds Like NYC on all streaming platforms, Instagram, all social media, you basically. Stream on Instagram now? Could I you could yeah I did TV bro shut up shut up when I'm playing thank you shut up shut up shut up I'm your legal team now thank you thank you yeah yeah but find us everywhere essentially at sounds like NYC see you in the next video you know the vibes peace.